Hi everyone, it's Kaden, and welcome to another episode of Happy Hour History. I'm here today with my friend CJ, and I'm going to be teaching him a crazy story about the Middle Ages. It's about Edward II and his wife Isabella, the She-Wolf of France. So I'm really excited to tell this story. It's definitely one of my favorites. Um, coming after Eleanor, I think it's another great look into a crazy queen, and um, this one gets into kind of sexual politics, and so I think it'll be an awesome story to tell. As always, we do have a language warning for this podcast, so there's the potential, there's great potential, um, that we're going to have um, swearing for certain definite kind of sexual language, especially with kind of the themes of this one. It gets very dark. Um, so I don't recommend listening to this with children unless they are very, very mature. Likewise, if you're not kind of interested in this sort of podcast, maybe it's time to click off now. CJ will be learning this story for the first time, so we're going to be getting some interesting reactions. Um, for anyone who's kind of familiar with this story, it's quite a crazy tale. Sorry, Mom. But with that, let's begin. Alrighty guys, so um, I'm here, like I said, with CJ, and I'm going to be teaching him something today. I haven't told him at all what I'm teaching him, um, and I don't think he'll be familiar with this story, so it'll be nice and new, um, but for anyone who is familiar with the story, I am teaching CJ about Edward II of England and his wife, Isabella the She-Wolf, um, and I classed this myself as a rom trage. It's uh, got some romance, it's got a heck of a lot of tragedy, a lot of death, um, it's got, like I said earlier, it's got um, some kind of sexual stuff going on, a lot of gruesome ending, so it's an interesting tale. Well, um, hello everybody, my name is CJ, and I'm already very excited by that synopsis, <laughs> and I cannot wait to get into the gruesome sex shit. Let's do it. The gruesome, yeah, it gets pretty, it gets rough, um, and... So I started out by saying just that Marlowe, because I'm going to be talking a bit about the play, so there's a play by Marlowe, um, also about this whole thing called Edward II, and that is something that I'm going to kind of periodically bring up, mostly because I just saw a production of it at the Globe Theatre's indoor um, stage, which is called the Sam Wanamaker Playhouse. So I kind of peppered in like quotes and stuff. So I call this, um, this story a rom trage. <laughs> and Marlowe wrote in the play, um, he gives one character a line that says, All live to die and rise to fall. And that is basically this story. Honestly, motto of my life. <laughs> so this is a, it's it's not a very happy tale, but there's a heck of a lot that goes on. I mean, I already relate to it. It's a romantic tragedy. All my romances are, you know. Tragic. A rom tragedy. Yeah. Oh. Sad, sad life. Nothing much changes throughout history, does it? Nope, everything's pretty much... That's what actually Jamie and I in the last episode went on a whole thing about how history is just people 
it's the stories of people that repeat themselves time and again. That's honestly the most truest thing ever. I made this one because a lot of people tell this story either kind of from Edward's point of view or from Isabella's point of view. I've tried to do a little bit of both, but it's kind of difficult. So hopefully um, I can kind of cover both characters. So Edward was born in 1284. 1284. Okay. So I remember that. Is this going to be on the test? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. I will be quizzing you afterwards. Oh, dope. Um, no. So he was born in 1284. So a long ass time ago. Um, <laughs> although, well, although later than the one I taught Jamie, because she was 1100, so we're a bit later. Um, so he was the fourth son of the current king, King Edward I. Uh, he's also called Edward Longshanks. And fun fact, um, <laughs> supposedly I'm descended from Edward Longshanks. Wait, what? I don't know. That's what. Wait a minute. <laughs> my grandpa's really into the ancestry stuff, and so supposedly I'm an ancestor of Edward Longshanks. So somewhere down the line, one of his other children. Must be like a direct, like great great whatever parent, parent great grandparent or whatever. Are your shanks long though? Yes, the longest. That's how you can tell that we're related. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm really curious though. And what synonym? Wait, no, no. What definition of shanks were they using when they nicknamed him? I honestly does he don't have like know. long shanks that he uses like in prison style, or are, is it like a garment that I'm unfamiliar? I honestly with? don't. I'd have to. Does, go, he I, ha- does he have like very low? Why is he ankle called long shanks? Trousers? That's a good question. We're getting off to oh, should a we, rousing Let's have style. a Google detour. I love this. Long I'm learning shanks. already. Well, he's also called the Hammer of the Scots. I know that. Oh, definitely. so maybe it is a dick joke. Maybe well, it has a long shank. It's a hammer of the well, Scots. Well, I definitely think the hammer of the Scots is because he was brutal to the Scottish people. Oh, He's, so it's not sexual. It's, I don't think it's so. It's that he murdered Scottish people. Yeah, it's not a great... That's, that's less sexy than what I was imagining. See, I, I was starting to have a crush on long shanks, and I think that oh, okay. kind of ruined it. Or made it better, depending on where I am in the situation. So this is straight up from Wikipedia, which is not what I would do for the rest of these notes, but since mm-hmm. we're doing it as we go, um, it says that Edward I was a tall man, 6'2", and that was tall cool. for the era. Cool. So Hello. that's why he's called Longshanks. Okay, well, maybe I'll, uh, I'll play your Scotsman, Longshank. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that's, so that's um, Edward the King currently, and so his son is also called Edward. He's going to be Edward II. Did that's he ever have any kids? Edward Longshanks? Yes. Yeah, the, one of his children is who we're talking about today. Okay, well, it's so confusing. I can technically call him daddy then. That's all I want to know. Yes. Cool. So it's a bit confusing because they're both called Edward, but Edward Longshanks is just the father in the story. He's about to be kaput soon, so it doesn't matter. Wonderful. So Longshanks, and then the mother was called Eleanor of Castile. Not really important, except for that it's good to mention moms because they get killed off in these stories so frequently. That's so Straight true. up Disney. Score one for feminist history. Feministry. Well, this story is going to get heck to the feminists, but oh, like in a yes. dark way. I feel like this is a very special, a very special gay episode. Of, yeah, uh, of it's your gay and feminist, so it's all <laughs> over the place. Yeah. Um, but so when Edward, so he's going to be like main Edward. If I'm talking about a dad, I'll call him Longshanks. Okay. So when Edward was uh, young, Longshanks met a noble, um, like a pretty lower lower class level of noble, so not like that important in the echelon, but um, definitely still having that noble blood, and his name was Piers Gaveston. That's a really cool name. Yeah, it is. It's Well, remember it, because it's going to be important. Oh, shit. Okay, I'll try. So, <laughs> so Longshanks the king decides that Piers Gaveston would be a good influence on his son, so he kind of pushes them to be friends. Um, and then they fuck. Yeah, kind of. Oh my god, what? Really? Um, Unfortunately, (laughs) Gavison was actually a pretty bad influence. Like, he he would make make Edward do, like, stupid stuff in court and, like, 
like be rude to people that he shouldn't be rude to and stuff. So then Longshanks was like, no, no, we can't have Gavison like messing with the way that Edward acts. So he eventually, Longshanks eventually um, exiles Gaveston. Okay, well that's a little bit much. It's a little bit of an extreme reaction. Yeah, so he's exiled to France. This is basically, like, if you want a summary of this story, it's everybody gets exiled and everyone dies. Oh my god, I love it. So. It's like, uh, it's like the thank you next of history. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Just exile them and Thought move I'd on. I end up with Gaveston. Gaviscon? Gaviston. Gaviscon's, no, that's the health tablet thing that you drink when you have a cold. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah this is Gaviston. Thought I'd end up with Gaviston, but he was a bad influence. Yep. Then but- he fucking got exiled. And then there's another guy, don't worry. But that'll come way later. <laughs> that will This that'll is a long, the rhyme, this is a very we'll lengthy story. Nice. So, um, so then Longshanks, the king, dies in 1307, and so Edward becomes king at age 23. Um, the problem is, is that his dad... He was called, like, the Hammer of the Scots, like I said, because he was um, kind of, like, a brutal warrior. Like, he was a warrior king, which is good for England, maybe not great for Scotland. Brutalize me, daddy. What? <laughs> I didn't say that. And um, and so, because he was this warrior king, it seemed good when he was in power, but once he dies, he leaves his son with enormous debt, an unwinnable war in Scotland, um, nobles who are not very pleased with, like, how long this war's been going on, and hostile relations with France, who had always kind of been allied to Scotland. So, basically, Edward is, um, up shit creek without a paddle. And... Been there. <laughs> exactly. But what he can do, now that he's king, is recall Gaveston back to England. Oh, shit! And so the love does. story continues. So, yeah. So, that's kind of... So, I'm gonna leave that just and for a second. And then Definitely. Okay, Almost, yeah. Oh my god, I'm so excited. So, um, Can I guess that part? <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to jump then to Isabella, so um, the woman who will become his wife. Oh yeah, what is, what's, she, what's she coming So to Isabella is sometimes called Fat Isabella the... Sh- uh, no. I mean, she is, right? Yeah, I kind of <laughs> Isabella the Beard. No. Um, so nowadays, I'm going to get to this in the next episode probably, but she's sometimes now called Isabella the She-Wolf of France, but back when... It's kind a of badass this, name. I know. But back when the story starts, she's um, referred to as Isabella the Fair. So she was born in 1295. Arguably, she was one of the most noble of all the um, women to become Queen of England so far. Okay. And that's basically because her dad was the King of France, which isn't uncommon. There's a lot of alliances between Mm. um, those two kingdoms. But her mother was Queen Regnant of Navarre, which means that she ruled in her own right. She wasn't... Because there's a difference between queen consort, which is somebody mm. who's queen because she's married to a king. And then there's queen pregnant. Yes, queen pregnant. <laughs> queen regnant. Did I do good. Um, who, because <laughs> she inherits it on her own and then she can rule it. Um, so it's kind of like, because the queen was pregnant, she becomes the queen regnant, right? No. Why would she be pre- Why would she be pregnant? Well, it's not like, it's a metaphorical pregnancy, right? She's pregnant with a country. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's weird. That's how I will remember that word of regnancy. Okay, well, it's like, okay, so like the Queen Elizabeth today, yes. she is a queen regnant because uh-huh. she gained it through her own lineage. Right. Um, rather she than... She didn't marry into it. Yeah, she didn't marry and she become ain't queen. She no side. Which is why her husband isn't the king. He's a prince. Yeah. Because she's like, you can't be above me. No one's Ooh, above me. No one's no above one's the queen. No one's above me, bitch. So, yeah, so Isabella had two ruling parents of their own kind of domains, which Mm. is pretty cool. That's pretty dope. This wouldn't happen again in England where they have an English queen born of two ruling 
parents until Catherine of Aragon, who is one of Henry VIII's wives. Yes, so, I know her. Yes. yes. So there's a long time before this happens again because we're in the like early 1300s. Mm. So um, because of this, she was hot stuff on the marriage market. Everyone wants a piece of Izzy. Oh, yeah. Um, and she, it, she was betrothed to Edward when she was quite young. Then um, Edward's father dies, and so they want to get her married to Edward as quickly as possible. At this point, she she hits age 12, which is the legal age to marry. Ooh. So gross. Yeah. Um, but because great. because she hits this tw- um, age 12 and she was hot on the marriage market, they need to quickly get her married to Edward because it's dangerous for her not to be because mm. then, like, somebody else could try to force a marriage. That's bad. Um at least she knows she won't have to be forced into sex with Edward because he likes penis. I don't necessarily know that he didn't like her as well. Uh, that's well, true. that's not okay. Like that's that's true. By I don't think he problem. loved. I don't think he. Well, we'll get into this. Maybe he just liked sex. <laughs> it's gonna get crazy. Cool. So, um, they married on the continent and then crossed the channel together. How romantic! Is that like their honeymoon? Trip? Yeah, sort of. He's oh. like, oh, I'm gonna go pick up my bride. They go to Croatia for a weekend, <laughs> yes. do some cocktails and a tiki bar. <laughs> exactly. Oh, fun. Uh, they got on a. What is that? Easy Jet. It's like an Easy Jet flight. Easy Jet. Um, and they Very just efficient. they just had a fun time. They could only bring their carry on bags. They like bingo in that little uh, in the little leisure hall center. <laughs> so fun. Um, so they get back to England, and when the boat arrives that they're both on, Edward like jumps off of it and immediately jumps into Gaveston's arms. <laughs> Honestly, me. So that was pretty weird. She's twelve, and she's like. Hi, husband. What are you doing? What you do with that boy? You guys, you guys wrestling or something? <laughs> um, That's so, where I spit your dick. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting. We love underage sexual uh, exploitation. Well, we can't help what happened in history. You no, know, we really can't. Um, So they go to London, and they both have their coronations, because he actually had just become king, so he hadn't had his coronation yet. And Gaveston... um, you know, part three of their relationship. Oh, part three. He plans the entire coronation. Like, he's allowed to have the honor of kind of planning how everything goes. Well, I'm sorry. So, like, literally, can we just get this straight? So they are, like, having this big celebration. Yeah. And he's their fucking party planner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the gay guy. And he's fucking his party planner on the side. on the side is the party planner for the celebration of the uh, straight couple. Yeah. This but no be... one, no one's confused. They know that they're sleeping together. Oh, absolutely. So it's not I'm like just... anyone thinks that this is a... Plus, she's 12. So no one's like, oh, yeah, that couple was very, you know... <laughs> I just feel like change change some of the details, and this could easily be a Tina Fey movie. Yeah, probably. <laughs> the, the wedding planner. Um, the sequel. So he, because he's a planner, he puts himself basically at, like the center of the event. He gets to do kind of all the important things. So he wears purple... To their coronation. And I mentioned in an earlier episode, for anyone who's listened to the earlier episodes, that purple is a royal color. It has to do with how it first came about and how expensive the dye was. So purple is the color of royalty, and it's meant to only be worn by kind of the ruling family. So the fact that he wears purple to this coronation is kind of like crazy disrespectful. (laughs) Um, but of course, Edward's for it because he loves him. <laughs> He's so. like, oh, you can wear white to my wedding. It's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's like today. God, you, look you look so good in white. It's oh like today God. when the mother-in-law, she like she texts me and she's like, hey, I found this dress and I feel so beautiful in it. And I just want to make sure it's okay to buy it. And she sends you a white dress and you have You're to be like, like, bitch, no. <laughs> yeah. I see that. I'm in like wedding shaming groups 
on oh, Facebook. Really? That sounds fun. And it gets trashy. Like, people, really? these mother-in-laws are nuts. Do not wear white <laughs> to someone else's wedding. So he wears, he wears some purple, and that wasn't cool. Mm. And he also carries the crown of Edward the Confessor. Uh, which is a huge deal. Edward the Confessor was another English king, and he's also, um, he was also made a saint, so that was kind of, he's like a point of pride for the royals, and his crown is a big symbol of kind of that majesty and mm-hmm. his kind of saintliness. So to carry that crown and to be wearing purple, those were both um, questionable for a man kind of of semi-low birth to be doing. He's obviously trying to make himself look very, very impressive. He's honestly sounds like your typical gay. He just yeah. wants to be the center of attention. He's probably a Gemini. It's his show. I'm a Gemini. I relate. <laughs> we just like to be the stars. He was probably an only child. Like, let's be real. He probably was. Honestly. So at the feast after the coronation, the king decides to sit next to Gaveston rather than to his wife, Isabella. Now, uh, it's worth saying, of course, that Isabella's 12 at this time, so maybe it's not, like, the best company for, like, this 23-year-old guy. Right. Yeah. But in fairness, they were both just coronated, and the the ceremony is obviously, like, you know, inherently ceremonial. It's kind of in of the name. Course, yeah. But the feast is also sort of another ceremony mm. in the way that, like, the way that you act has to kind of be in accordance with the rituals of the court. Mm. So the fact that he decides not to sit next to his wife and the newly crowned Queen of England is sort of questionable. Right. Um, but... If, if, if this was, like, today, there'd be a Perez Hilton article, like, oh my god, is there tea? He didn't sit next to the wifey. Yes, there would... Exactly. Absolutely. It would be... There would be all over the tabloids. All over the tabloids. Um, so, yeah. They, they definitely take note of the fact that he doesn't sit next to her and he chooses his lover instead. And and then I did, like, a kind of a bit of my notes just on, like, the topic of being gay at this time. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder what it was like at this time, because it was kind of before, you know, it got super taboo, right? From what yeah, I so it gets a lot worse, um, I would say. It's like bit... religion came and ruined everything. <laughs> well, yeah, so they're definitely very religious at this time, but yes. it's a bit different. So they were a bit more kind of lax as mm. long as you... Just kind of kept it, did it like on, on your like, yeah. If you just yeah. do it like if what you do in your own bedrooms, no one's business. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so basically, the relationship between Edward and Gaveston really tarnished Edward's reputation with his nobles and his subjects, mm. and that really starts right from the beginning of his reign. But like I said, it's not really about them being gay. That, for the most part, was actually tolerated. Was it more like the whole adultery thing? Well, so it was... Okay, so to be discreetly homosexual and to be doing that was fine as long as you had a wife. Mm -hmm. Or, ideally, they would both have wives. Uh But at least the king. (laughs) And um, and that they are producing heirs. Uh, So that's the most important thing. But they were not. Um, And so, well, he has a wife, and she's 12. So, obviously, like, there's there's a chance. Of course. (laughs) There's loads of time. So he's actually not doing so bad in terms of, like, he... He has part of it, um, but people actually hated Gaveston because, um, just like Longshanks earlier, they thought that he had way too much influence over the mm. king, and he was making him do some stupid shit. Yeah, it sounds like uh, it sounds like the whole adage of love makes you do the wacky. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, too, is like I've alluded to a few times, he was a noble, but he was sort of of low birth in terms of. Um, the rankings of nobility. Mm. So these other nobles are like, this guy is whispering in the king's ear. He can tell the king what he wants him to do, and the mm. king does it because he's in love with him. Yeah. And we are the nobles. 
we should be telling the king what to do. Yeah, we've we've all done stupid shit for a sexy bad boy. Yeah, well, I, okay. <laughs> um, well, stupid people have. Okay. So, like I said, so some of this was just the nobles sort of being bitches about their own self-importance. Mm. But also, I do know, I did note in my, in my um, kind of notes here. Mm-hmm. No, um, in your notes. I noted in my notes. Um, so, yeah, so it was partly just because they were very self-important, mm. but also... They did believe, like, there was a genuine belief that nobles were better than other people. Yeah. That, like, you were born into a certain rank because that's, like, the place that God meant you to be. Yes. So they did, like, genuinely believe they were better than people, and it wasn't because necessarily they were so vain, but because it was more that they were vain because they had been born in that position. Yeah, of course. So it's a bit of a different situation. people that are born pretty. Yeah. We don't know that feeling. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> um, so Piers only bowed to the king. He didn't bow to any other nobles, even though he was below all of them. And he was—he he hadn't at this point been promoted yet. He'll get promoted later. But at this point, he's like not that important of a guy. And so he only bows to the king, and they're not pleased with this. Mm. So the people were mad at both Gaveston and the king for sidelining Isabella. Um, but they could really only blame Gaveston because blaming the king would be treason. So yeah. Gaveston takes a lot of um, the flack for what happens. Mm. But sometimes it really is because he just sucks. I don't know that I really like Gaveston. <laughs> um, but so I said, overall, it's not really the gay thing. Um, so Christopher Marlowe, when he writes his play, he is writing in the late 1500s. So mm. we are um, nearly 300 years out of this actually happening. <laughs> Um, but if you think about it, the 1500s, we're even getting maybe closer to there being, um, this distaste for homosexual acts. Yeah. Um, so the fact that Marlowe writes this in the 1500s, um, and he's still pretty accepting of the whole gay thing. Like, he's the not really... The whole gay thing, The yeah. whole gay thing. The fact, that, <laughs> the fact that the king is sleeping with a man, Marlowe's not that bothered by it. Right. He actually has a passage in the play, um, that I've noted down here, so he says... Um, so this is one of the characters who's actually not really pleased. It's one of the nobles. Okay. And he's not, this noble is not pleased with what's happening. But then he says, let him without controlment have his will. The mightiest kings have had their minions. Great Alexander loved Hephaestion, the conquering Hercules for Hylas wept, and for Patroclus stern Achilles drooped. And not kings only, but the wisest men. The Roman Tully loved Octavius, grave Socrates wild Alcibiades. Then let his grace, whose youth is flexible, and promiseth as much as we can wish, freely enjoy that vain, light-headed earl, for riper years will wean him from such toys. Hmm. So there genuinely is the belief that, like, he can do what he wants in his younger years, like he's yeah. a young king, let him kind of sow his wild oats. while you're a kid. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually he will kind of settle down with his wife and all right. the babies. yeah. So, I mean, it's not the worst thing. And a lot of people, because this story is going to go very wrong. Mm. And a lot of people think it's because they're gay. And it's not really that. It's sort of everything else. <laughs> and being gay is like the least of their worries. Yeah, it's the least <laughs> of the problems, honestly. It's who he's being gay with is the problem. Yeah, I honestly, Gaveston sounds like someone who would absolutely break my heart. And I'm living for it. Like, <laughs> totally my type. I just love that kind of guy. Can we look up when his birthday is? We will. know his birthday. We will. So I, I'll look it up. So I said, many nobles tried to demand that Edward banish Gaveston, um, including at one point Isabella, who's still quite young, writes to her father, the King of France, being like, so, Dad, like, this is sort of weird, but whatever. 
And um, her father, the king of France, then is like, yeah, can you please banish this guy? (laughs) Um, So eventually, Edward um, was kind of forced by his nobles to strip Gaveston of any of his titles, and he sends him to Ireland. Um, But it doesn't stop him from loving Gaveston. So, unfortunately, while Gaveston is gone, he's kind of pining, which... Does sound like you, sort of. Oh yeah, I that mean, long distance. I relationship. was in a long distance relationship with a guy who broke my heart, so I relate <laughs> to you. I relate to you hard. Um, yeah, so he has he has to send. Um, What's his name again? Edward. Edward. Yes. Yeah, so Eddie. Edward has to send Gavison away, um, and at this point, Isabella is able to take on the the roles of the queen because so many of the roles Gavison was kind of low key doing. He was okay. he was a queen. He was a queen. He was a queen. <laughs> he slayed, yes. Um and so Edward at this point was being very, very nice to Isabella and giving her lots and lots of land because he wanted her to be happier so that eventually he would be able to recall Gaveston. Uh. Um because it's not she wasn't really like kicking up a fight. She was quite young. Yeah. But, like, if she's happy, then her father's not mad, and you don't have to fight with France, and then maybe her the nobles have, like, less of a cause to... Because they're kind of annoyed that she's being sidelined. Yeah. So if she's not that bothered, then he's like, I can recall Gaveston. No, man. So he's very nice. Yeah. And the Pope eventually interceded on Gaveston's behalf, um, and because no one could really go against the Pope... Gavison was allowed to return. Ooh. So the fact that the Pope is being like, yeah, bring back your gay lover. Bring back your gay boy. Obviously no one's that bothered with the gay. <laughs> we fiddle our kids all the time. Ooh. Oh, it's getting getting political. Oh, dark. <laughs> I, this is a dark story. You know what this fits. I know exactly, right? Um, so instead of learning the lesson that their forced separation should have taught them and then, and then deciding to keep things a little bit lower key, um, they go the exact opposite direction. They're, um, they are reunited, but unfortunately, Gaveston immediately decides to become a little bitch. And he starts to give all the nobles who, like, spoke out against him, that he gives them all mean names and tries to get revenge. It kind of reminds me of, like, a burn book situation. This is literally the mean girls of history. Yeah, this is not going so well. Um. Fucking Gaveston's literally Regina George. Yes. (laughs) So then the the barons, so all the nobles, um, try to use the ordinances of 1311 to take some of the royal powers away from the king and give it to themselves, basically so they can limit um, Edward and Gaveston and kind of what they are able to do. At this point, despite being sidelined by Gaveston, Isabella was actually still on her husband's side. Wow. So she, like I said, she was the daughter of two monarchs. She felt that noble blood was something sort of above everyone else, um, and that you should not really try to tarnish that. So she she did not believe that they should be able to limit a king's power. Even though they were sort of doing it, they were doing it for themselves, but in doing it for themselves, it would have sort of helped her. Oh, yeah. But she decides she doesn't want that, um, like, the king is the ultimate power in the country. She genuinely believes that his nobility comes from his birth, and that he is better than everyone else. So she's Sounds against like it. Sounds like a bit of a cuck to me. I don't know about you. <laughs> Isabella, get a backbone. Eh, Honey, she's still, re- respect yourself, okay? Nah, Have she's... Well, because she's like, I'm a noble. She's like, I'm a queen. Mm. He's a king. We were born for this shit. Yeah. So no one can question him. Maybe she can question him, but no one else should be able to. So if well, he wants to be sleeping around with his little twink, he can do that. <laughs> Maybe she just likes to watch. She was probably young. <laughs> 
Maybe later. Maybe when she's old. Maybe when she's like 14. Um, <laughs> so she actually wrote letters to the nobles on Edward's behalf. Um, but Gaveston was eventually again exiled. So again, this is this whole this story. This boy cannot stay in one place for too long. This whole story is exile and return. Exile and return. For lots of people. It's going to mm. get worse. Oh, I'm excited. So Gaveston... Um, this time, he's actually sent away for even a shorter period of time, because Edward can't be without him. Mm. So, um, Gaveston only leaves for about two months before returning. And Edward then ditches his wife and runs away to York with <laughs> Gaveston. York. <laughs> because he knows that, since it was only two months of exile, he knows that these barons are going to try to fight him and that there's a potential for civil war. Mm. So, he runs away with his lover and ditches his young wife, I being mean, like, bye, bitch, good luck. That's, that's, you, you after, gotta do that for love. After she had just written in Gaveston in Edward's defense. Ah! Again, Isabella, you're a cuck. No, I, I don't know. I feel bad for Isabella. No, I mean, she's definitely the victim in this situation. Well, we'll see how it goes. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, Twists are ready. I'm gonna ask you at the end who you think the victim of this story is. Oh, It'll be interesting okay. to know what your opinion is. I see. Because um, I actually don't know what my opinion is. Wow. Um, I will uh, try and have a very well thought out answer huh. if I'm still sober by then. It'll be tomorrow, so. Well, I probably maybe won't. I'll ask you. Maybe I'll ask you at the end of this one and see how you feel about it. And then just halfway through. Yeah, and then you can ask me again and see if my answer changes. Yes, that'll be fun. Yes, compare so, and contrast. So Isabella, at this point, he she just got ditched by her husband so he could run away with his boyfriend. Honestly, she, me with my ex's uh, relationship and his fucking best friend, David. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's some tea there. Oh, no. He was like a frat boy that never grew up. It was a whole thing, which I feel like is kind of the situation. Oh. Like, you have a loving wife at home who would do anything for you, but no, you'd rather go out and get drunk and do stupid shit. I love shit. that you're the loving wife in this story. Um, I'm, I am Isabella. There you go. I was the cuck. That's, that's why, why. That's how I know she was a cuck. That's I yeah. Was there you once. you can you can sympathize. I was I was the doormat once upon a time. So Isabella, the loving wife, the doormat, is also pregnant <laughs> at this time. Oh shit! Um, so I she. I was not pregnant. So, yeah, I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know. Are what you that pregnant means. or pregnant? <laughs> um, so she's pregnant at this point, and Edward and Gaveston were eventually separated, and Gaveston was captured at Scarborough Castle. Oh, shit. Um, the barons then have a kangaroo court, which... Oh, my God, please tell me they're actual kangaroos, though. They are not. You know what kangaroo court is? Uh, no. It's when you basically hold, like, almost a fake court or, like, a mock trial. Oh. And everyone knows what the outcome is going to be. So there's no real attempt to be able to defend yourself because they don't really want... You to defend yourself. Well, they they know that they're going to find you guilty. Right. They have to go through, it's like... the formality. Of yeah, it. they have to, like, legally hold it so that it doesn't seem like they are... Just executing um, you for no reason. Yeah. So yeah. it has to seem sort of legal. But in reality, they knew going in that so he was going example, to die. So, for example, a kangaroo trial would be like what I used to do with my, my Barbies, right? Did you execute your Barbies? No, of course not. Well, I mean, some of them had their heads cut off, but that's a whole other thing. Um, it's, you know, like, you know, you're playing around and you're like, oh, I think you cheated on me with Ken. And then uh, lesbian Barbie number two is like, what? I would never do that. And it's like, she knows that she cheated on him with Ken. We know this. We know <laughs> the outcome of the guilt. But it's like you have to go through the drama just for the reality TV kind of aspect of it, you know? Okay, this yes. is the weirdest long Energy. story that I've had told to me on this podcast yet. Thank you. That was I weird. I am great at I'm sure that analogies. would be more. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, so there's this kangaroo court that's held, and unsurprisingly, the barons find him guilty. Um, what? Didn't see that coming. Yeah. <laughs> and they sentence him to death. And oh, okay, that's a bit extreme. So he would have been executed at this point. So that's Who? the end of Gaveston. No, Gaviscon. Gaviscon? <laughs> What's the other one? I keep I keep hearing it's either Gaviscon or Calgon. Calgon? What's yeah. that? I think it might be an English brand. There's like an advert. It's like, washing machines live longer with Calgon. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, Gaveston. Pierce Gaveston is now... I was trying to think of a pun. I don't have one. <laughs> well, I wish... He's gone. I'm, I'm really sad. Honestly, like, Herbal Tea was my favorite character. Herbal Tea... <laughs> Wait, was that his name? I don't remember. Herbal Tea was my favorite character. He was the best. He was, he was the best character. He had the best development. He had the best arc. He had the best showmanship. He was. He in, knew what he wanted when he went to that coronation, and he yeah. made it happen. He, he said the Tyrion Lannister. He said story. that everyone could look at the newly crowned king and queen, or everyone could look at the queen, oh, and they did. They did. They looked hard, and, and they, they wrote about it, and they went, "Wow, what's this dude doing?" <laughs> But now he's dead. So R.I.P. Pierce Gaveston. Honestly, this is like the end of season one death for me. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm excited for season two, but I don't know if they can continue the show without him. They can and will. <laughs> we have to get that revenge arc. Oh shit! You're right. You're right. Also, from a cursory Google, um, they don't have a birth date for him, so we can only imagine that he is a, he Gemini, was a Gemini. But we know in our hearts that he was. We know deep down. Either that. Yeah, no, he was definitely Gemini. I feel so much kinship with that guy. So now he's dead, but Isabella, who was pregnant, has now given birth. And so she gives birth at age 17 to another Edward, which is confusing because there's Edward the king and Edward the baby, so we'll call him Little Ed. I mean, I get that. You know, after my first boyfriend left me, I chased another guy with the same name. That's weirder, though, because that's not like a junior thing. That's like a... A boy 1.0 and a boy 2.0. Yeah, you know, I feel like it's common to replace your ex in when looking for a new relationship. You don't have to, like, anyone who's like, oh, how's that boy? And you're like, oh, yeah, he's fine because you don't have to worry about name changes. Yeah, exactly, right? Or, like, if you, if you like, got a tattoo of his name, you'd be fine. You'd be like, <laughs> oh, this one's, I got this for you. <laughs> I knew. I knew. I knew from the first was- date. <laughs> Um, that would be a really easy way to scare someone off on the first date. So this right. is more of a junior situation because it's her child. So it's right, right. King Edward and Lil Ed. Lil Eddie. Lil Eddie. Lil Edstifer. So little Eddie is born, and um, she would later on have another son and two daughters. They all survived childhood. Wow. Um, so good for her. I did not. <laughs> not <laughs> Not <yet>. mentally, anyway. <laughs> survived childhood? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what I was going to I thought you meant you didn't have children, and I was like, well, not yet. <laughs> no. No, There's still time that. to be a pregnant regnant. A pregnant regnant. Honestly, I that's my new band name. <laughs> pregnant regnant. Um, so having a son really solidifies Edward's position as king. Obviously, up to this point, people have been kind of pissed at him because of the Gavison thing. But once you have a son, it's so much harder to kind of overthrow you because you have to overthrow you and the kid. It's not that hard. I mean, he's a baby, so you could probably just, like, like, yeet him against him a wall. Yeah, exactly. But but people start... Usually when a king has an heir, it makes it just... People are less likely, because then they have to kill a baby, and people are like, mm, that's not so Christian. Kick the baby. Don't kick the goddamn baby. I assume that's a reference, but I don't know South what South Park. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Any, strike, any that, history fans are sure to know that. That checks, honestly. I haven't <laughs> seen every... Like, I haven't seen a lot of the episodes, but I've definitely seen enough to know that that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, 
So, her son was, at this point, considered to be the only good thing Edward had done in his reign so far. Wow. That's so, a bit much. Edward's like, reign sucks anything? so far. He's not great. All he's yeah. done is be a drama bitch. I mean, me as a king. <laughs> um, and so, because of Gaveston's death and the birth of his son happening in pretty close proximity, mm. the king and the nobles were able to come to peace, wherein they would submit to the king and not kind of rebel again, as long as they wouldn't be punished for killing Gaveston. Hmm. Now, of course, we know, because we know about the gays. The gays. Actually, we know about romance in general, really. True, true. That if somebody kills your man, you're not going to be so forgiving. you ain't getting away without a fight. You're not forgiving them. Um, so any, if there's anything that reality TV has taught me, it's that there's going to be a revenge arc. Oh, absolutely. But it's not going to happen yet. <laughs> So, um, Isabella eventually um, has to return to France. There's some negotiations going on between England and France, and they think that because, obviously, she is a French princess and her father is the king, that she will go as a representative of England. So, she is sent back to France for some time, and she gets into what's called the Tour de Nel scandal. Now, this isn't really that important to, like, the overall story, but I just thought it was crazy, so I'm going to mention it briefly. Please do. So, Isabella has three brothers, and all three of these brothers, the French princes, have married daughters of Burgundy. So, there's a Duke of Burgundy, Mm. and there's a Count of Burgundy. Yeah. And all three of the the sons of the King of France have married daughters of either the Duke or the Count. And so, it's a whole alliance between, because Burgundy's in France, of course, but it's its own kind of, um, it's its own territory. not the color. Not the... (laughs) Okay. I was, I was like, do they just all wear it? Is it like a on Wednesdays we wear a pink kind of thing? Because I was like, this is really turning into a Mean Girls. <laughs> no, so the place Burgundy, and um, I talked with Jamie in the last episode about how France has all these like duchies and um, and other kind of different types of territories in it where it's nominally French, and so technically the dukes and the counts and all. They all owe fealty to the king of France, and they swear allegiance to him, but he has no control over that land whatsoever. And he can only really be like, hey guys, don't do that, and sometimes they don't listen. (laughs) So it's always good when the French king can make marriage alliances with them, because then they're more likely to be a bit subservient to him. So all of his sons have married into the the area of Burgundy. These daughters-in-law of the king of France were then given a tower, basically, that they were allowed to use for their own wants and wishes and whatever. Who, like, what are you going to do with the tower? It's just, like, a space. Like, I don't know. Do whatever. Just, like, oh my god, guys, let's have a tower party. Well, I know what they're going to do. Oh, what are they going to do? So, two of these daughters used the Tour de Nel tower to basically commit adultery. Oh, honestly, that's what I would use a tower for. And so Isabella discovers that her sisters-in-law were cheating on her brothers. At least two of the sisters, maybe the third, but definitely the two. Wow. And she discovers this. She kind of has her suspicions earlier on, but she eventually discovers it for certain, and she is the one who kind of spills the tea. She Mm. rats on them. The men who were sleeping with the princesses they were actually brothers, too, which is kind of weird. That's, I mean, honestly, so was, don't kink shame them. So, so these two brothers who were sleeping with the princesses, they were killed in a very gross way. So this this whole story, like, not just the Tordanelle story, but this whole story, for anyone listening, 
is filled with absolutely horrible deaths. So just kind of prepare yourself emotionally. Um, you might want to skip ahead if you're really easily grossed out. Um, but this is the first of those gross deaths. I'm excited because so, I love the gross shit. So they were tortured. Oh, how? Um, I would say probably by the rack, but I'm not positive. Oh, yeah. How many seven years? So, Sorry, I need to come down. <laughs> so, they were, so they were tortured, and it was to the point that they actually confessed. Like, there was not really any confusion about it. They mm. confessed. They were um, very open with what had happened, but they were still tortured, like, repeatedly. Yeah, it's, Event- like, it's like when your mom says, just tell me, I won't be mad. And then she's mad. And she's hella mad. So, yeah, so they tortured them kind of just to be dicks. I mean, same. Then they are taken out to their execution. They were publicly castrated. Wow. Not even privately castrated. That would nope. be bad enough. Yeah. Publicly. So they're publicly castrated. Do you think that someone got to, like, take the penis home? Is it, like, when you're at a baseball game? Oh, no. I'm going to tell you the next part. Oh, shit. Their genitals were thrown to dogs. Oh. That's a bit of a waste. Someone could, like, well, the dog wants Well, the dog wants to eat it. That's gross. Why are the dog... Oh. I don't know. The, the, the you know, past... it should be like a baseball game where if the ball gets like hit into the crowd, <laughs> someone gets to grab it and be like, "Oh shit, a memento!" Yeah, exactly. What, what a fun now the dogs get it. Ah, um, they were then flayed alive with whips. Wait, how does that work? Just whipped to the point of their skin peeling off? Basically, yeah. Wow. So they would have been bloody messes. Yeah, that must have taken a really long time. I admire the executioner's dedication. They were then tied to a giant wheel. Okay. And bludgeoned with clubs. Like, on the wheel? Like, on yeah. the spinning? Yeah, so the wheel would be, <laughs> yeah, they were... It's like a circus. It's quite quite fun. So it's a hot mess. Yeah. And finally... I know this I is have really, to, sorry. really fucked up, but I do think it would have been really fun to go to one of those public executions. This one's a show. Yeah, like, exactly. Somebody like, they're, being... They're putting on a performance. Somebody just being hanged, you're like, oh, we could see that anytime. Yeah, exactly. This, is a show. This, this is like, like a, the circus, like a circus of circus. death. Exactly. Like, I do think it would have been a really fun day out. I mean, it's Ugh. medieval England. What else are you going to do? Like, get fucking shot on by well, someone throwing poop out their window, you know? This was medieval France. Okay. Well, medieval but don't France worry. It's pretty much the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, at this point, I have to imagine they were dead. But, just in case they were not dead, <laughs> finally they got to be beheaded. Oh. That's and then nice. they're definitely dead. Well... I don't know, but chickens can survive, so why shouldn't we? I think that's just cockroaches. Oh. Well, I mean, I've known a few people that remind me of cockroaches. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they were finally beheaded and killed. And then the women who had done this, so they didn't execute the women. Because they were from noble houses. And there's also the whole, like, this is the one time that sexism works in your favor when you I, don't get murdered. What's the word? Benevolent sexism. Yeah, exactly. It's like having it's a like, door hold open for you or, you know, not being beheaded. Yeah. You're like, you know what? We are literally not people in the eyes of the law, but at least we also are not able to be killed in the eyes of the law. So the <laughs> Honestly, women... objectify me. Like, fucking do it. I don't want to die. <laughs> exactly. So the women had their heads shaved. And they were imprisoned, but they were not executed. That's honestly compared to the guys, Scott. And the marriages, one of the marriages um, to the eldest son, who would eventually become king, Mm. his marriage was able to be annulled, but one of the other marriages wasn't. So they were just like separated. Oh, that's awkward. (laughs) But yes, they were imprisoned. Um, So basically, the moral of this story is don't cheat. Unfortunately, (laughs) the rest of this story is just cheating, cheating, cheating. Oh, great. So. This was kind of a whack story, but it's just so interesting. And she's Isabel is the one who um, kind of gets gets them caught. Wow! Because Go she, Isabella. yeah, because she breaks a scandal, 
Um, and these people were high-key tortured because of it and then killed. Mm. Um, some people see this as evidence of her being, like, evil or, like, Sadistic. a movement towards evil. Yeah. But she, I don't, she just told people what she saw. She didn't know they mm. were going to be, like, she, I mean, she Time knew. Whip out the whips. <laughs> she knew they were going to be dicks about it. But yeah. she didn't know how much they were going to be dicks. Yeah. And to she be fair, like, they only, like, shaved and imprisoned the girls. So exactly. Just it's shave them. Chill. It's fine. They don't need hair. No. Um, maybe it was summertime. Yeah, maybe they, they were hot. More extra. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have AC back then. No. You got shave. So then, if we go back to England, um, Edward at this point is trying to fight the Scots like his father did. So obviously his father had been really renowned for defeating the Scottish. And having a big dick. And, yeah, sure. The hammer of the Scots. Hammer of the Scots. <laughs> um, so he decides that like his father, he wants to fight the Scottish. But unfortunately, Robert the Bruce was in charge at this point. He was much more tactically um, intelligent than Edward was. And so England faced many defeats. The- Sounds about right. <laughs> The English barons who had killed Gaveston didn't really want to help the king in these wars with Scotland because they felt that if um, the king succeeded against Scotland, he would kind of be stronger politically. People would have more respect for him. Mm, and that. then because he would have this extra strength, they he might decide to punish them after all. So even though he had said that he wouldn't punish them, they're smart enough to know that nothing's really safe. Yeah. So part of the reason why he loses to Robert the Bruce is that a lot of his nobles actually don't really want him to win. <laughs> Which is kind of a dick move. But. Yeah, it's not, not the best. Mm. So Isabella helped Edward and one of the nobles called Lancaster to ally themselves together to help stop the invading Scots. Because at this point, they're not fighting the Scottish in Scotland to try to take land. They are fighting the Scottish in England to try to keep their own land. Right. Because okay. the Scottish are like, you guys are so fucking weak, we can just take the north of England. Yeah. So, so why this, not, right? Yeah. So Isabella is actually the one who helps um, Edward to gain the allies required to stop the Scots from invading. But unfortunately, eventually Lancaster drops out of this alliance and Edward has to sign a peace treaty with the Scots, which was kind of an embarrassment for him. Yeah. That's, no one likes that at all. No. Makes you look like a bit of a weakling. So then there is um, the new boy toy in town. Oh, the new boy toy. He's moving on fast. Yes. So his name is Hugh Dispenser. I'm sorry. His name is Hugh Dispenser. Yes. Which is the funniest thing. <laughs> I wish his first name was Soap. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Dispenser. Although in the Marlowe play that I just saw, they only call him Spencer the whole time. And I don't know... Like, the historical reason for that. So we could just call him Spencer, but I feel like it'd be weird because everyone calls him Dispenser. So I'm going to keep calling him that. Mm. But you can imagine him as, like, a sexy Spencer if you want. Ooh, sexy Spencer. I think it's funny if his name is fucking Hugh Dispenser. <laughs> Hugh Dispenser. <laughs> He's a huge I'm gonna Dispenser. Soap. I'm going to call him Soap. Okay, so Soapy. Soapy boy. Um, Hugh was the son of a baron. He himself was a knight, and he was married to the sister of the Earl of Gloucester, and the Earl of Gloucester then dies without any heirs. His estate kind of passes to the siblings, and because of this, Hugh's wife inherits some of this land. He eventually takes the entire inheritance from uh, the two other sisters. There were three sisters in total, all should have split the land, and Hugh decides that he and his wife 
you're gonna just take all of it. Wow. So he's kind of you. He's kind of a dick. I mean, you gotta you gotta play the game to win. Fight for what you want. Yeah. You either you either uh, what's the what's the phrase? When you play the game of when Thrones, when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. You win or you die. There's no other. There's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. Drama. Um, so he then takes Gaveston's former seat on the King's Council. Obviously, Gaveston doesn't need it anymore. He's super dead. Oh, yeah. He's totally dead. And um, he also acted as the King's Chamberlain, which means that he controls who has access to the King. Now, that is an incredibly important position to have because he can stop any of the nobles from seeing the king. Ooh. And he has act like he has ultimate power over who gets seen. So he has ultimate power over kind of what things the king really gets access to, what he hears, who gets to kind of plead with the king for mercy or for help or whatever. So that's an incredible position of power. This relationship with the king and who dispenser is very questioned. Some people argue that they were in a sexual relationship just like um, just like Gaveston. And that would make sense because obviously he's, Edward seems to be the type of person who likes to have kind of a favorite with him. Mm. Um, somebody that he can rely on and, but also somebody that kind of gives him the love that he apparently requires, which right. is fair. Other people say that this was not a sexual relationship. He, the, the Gaveston basically knew that the king needed to have a favorite. It didn't even need to be sexual in nature, just someone um, to kind of be there and to help the king along. So because he has the king's favor, he can, on the side, be sort of doing whatever he wants and helping his own position. I don't know if they had a sexual relationship. I personally, kind of the, the research that I was doing seemed to imply that they didn't. Um, so that's lame. That's kind of, the, re- that's kind of the, the angle that I took it from. Mm. But to be honest, it doesn't really matter. If you'd like to imagine that they were doing it, that's fine. I would like to imagine doesn't, that. It doesn't really change the story that much. <laughs> um, but basically, at this point, because he has the king's favor, he has the king start to give him lands that the king shouldn't be able to give him because he's taking them from other people. Right. So it's an illegal kind of seizure of land. And he's loving it. He wants as much as he can get. He's obviously a bit power hungry. Well, you know, you got to have power to dispense power. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Um... So, eventually, the two of them pissed off enough people that the nobles were once again going to go to war. Isabella decides to beg Edward for um, a peace between him and the nobles, and this was very calculated. So, when I say beg, I literally mean in front of the court, on her knees, um, kind of imploring him to to come to, to terms with the nobles. And this is kind of very staged. So it's not that she is so genuinely heartfelt and kind of emotional about this situation that she has to get on her knees in front of him and in front of everyone, but really it's sort of one of the queen's roles right. that she acts as an intercessor. And what that means is that when the king gets himself into a bad situation <laughs> yeah. and he doesn't want to look weak, but he also sort of wants to give in to what people want him to do, Mm. he has his queen come in and beg and implore on her knees and kind of invoke, like, like, you know, like, husband, your, you know, your good mercy and your Christian faith and everything, like, have mercy on these people. Mm. And because 
like, women are a bit weaker, they can kind of... They can get away with that, yeah. Well, yeah, women can kind of, can do this begging, and it's not really seen as being humiliating, I guess. So she is able to act as an intercessor, go in and beg that they come to terms, and this saves Edward's face, so he doesn't have to look like he's weak, and it gives him an out from this Mm. situation. I guess it's comparable to if your kid broke one of your uh, neighbors who you really want to like use window by throwing a, you know, a baseball ball at it or something. Yeah. And then so you have them write like this big soppy, I'm so sorry, no, I'll do your yeah. uh, car wash for like three weeks just so that you can still get brownies uh, every week at their lo- uh, their little like dinner parties. See, I was going to say, when you start talking about this, I would say if you like threw a baseball through your neighbor's window mm. and you fucked up. But then you have your child write a ah, note saying, yeah. oh, like, I'm so sorry. Like, I was just playing. Yeah. And then they see that and they're like, oh, it's okay. You're it's such a cute a kid. kid. But really, it was like you, 23, with your drunken friends yeah. outside so of the college So you save party. face. Yes. Yeah. I see. So it gives Edward an out. He does exile Dispenser. He has to. That's kind of the piece that he, he agrees with. just got dispensed. Yes. <laughs> His own country. <laughs> um, so that's the piece that they agree to, but this allows Edward to save face so he doesn't look kind of like a moron. Exactly, yes. In front of his court. So Edward um, sends Dispenser away. Then um, Isabella is... So they're really... They were very, very close to going to war before this all happened, and she was able to kind of fix the situation, but it's only a temporary fix. So at one point, Isabella is traveling. She's actually trying to go to Canterbury for um, a pilgrimage. So obviously, like a very religious experience. Most and, people go to Canterbury for the club life. So good for her. Yeah, she was she was about to go crazy. Maybe that's what she was doing on the I side. Think, honestly, going to Canterbury for a pilgrimage, bitch, please. You were going to go to a fucking rave. <laughs> we know. We know. So then, um, on the way. She stops and she stops for the night and she wants to sleep in the castle that they pass. Uh, it's Leeds Castle, which confusingly is in Kent. You must know about oh, that. You're from Kent. I'm from Kent. Do Leeds, you know about Leeds Castle. Castle? In Kent? What yeah. is that? Why is Leeds Castle not in Leeds? Whereabouts in Kent is it? I don't I looked I, I checked because I was when I was doing my research. Yeah. I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then yeah. I Googled it and it really is in Kent. <laughs> so funny. It's like if Rochester Castle was in Dagenham. So, Leeds Castle is in Kent, England, five miles southeast of Maidstone. Oh, really? I'm really close to Maidstone. Yeah. I've never been to Leeds Castle. You should. Perhaps I shall have to visit now. I know it went down. It opens 10 a.m. tomorrow. Oh, shit. I'll be there. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so she goes to Leeds Castle, confusingly not in Leeds. Great. And um, the nobleman of that castle wasn't home at the time, and he had told his wife... Do not let anyone in mm. at all. So when the queen's like, tap, 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 it's the queen. <laughs> um, this woman was like, we're Sorry, not doing it. queen's broke. We're not doing it. Yeah. We're not letting you in. Sorry, I've been told not to. She's like, I don't, I can't trust you, the queen. What's the password? <laughs> What's the queen password? Um, so Isabella was, now this, this sounds really dramatic, so I don't know if this is actually genuinely what happened, but mm. Isabella was left out in the rain, left out in and rain. she couldn't get in, and so eventually she's like, she, cause, I mean, she's not alone. She's got, like, a retinue of people with her. Yeah. So she tells her, the men that are with her, force your way into that fucking castle, it's raining. <laughs> Bitch Basically, doesn't get wet. Like, my hair's getting frizzy, guys. Can we like do something about this? I'm situation? gonna catch a cold, and I have to be good for the rave slash the lord <laughs> slash the lord. 
<laughs> so she tells them to force their way in. Now there's a fight between her men and the people defending this castle, and some of her men are killed. Only okay. the, I think it's like six, five or six of them are killed. That's um, yeah. But technically, even though they were forcing themselves into this castle, technically it's seen as an attack on the queen's army that people died in. Right. So Edward decides to use this um, this kind of stupid thing about the castle to finally get his revenge for the death of Gaveston. So he has the own... You miss him. He was yeah. better than Dispenser. He was so much better. Like, such a better character. Like, what's what's Dispenser's, like... What's his know, motivation? What's his catchphrase? He doesn't even have one. You've been dispensed. Ah, oh, true. True. <laughs> so the owners of the castle were sent to the tower. Um, the other nobles sided with them, um, including the ones who killed Gaveston. So that's actually how this war starts. Okay. And so this is the beginning of the Dispenser War. Edward had more support now because there were kind of other nobles and other barons who, because they were like, oh, yeah, the queen's army or the queen's kind of retinue was attacked, they decide to, they may have been on the fence before about who to back, and now they're backing Edward. So he's got the support. Finally, he gets the support he deserves. He's been such a great king so far. He's been amazing. He's He's really absolutely top notch. Like, honestly. (laughs) So dispensers were called back to England, finally, because he had been sent away. Indeed. And Edward actually, because of the support he has, does better in this, um, in this fight. Well, good for him. And so he is able to round these people up as traitors. Ooh, and so all of the, the people... thickens. Yeah, so all the people who killed Gaveston, for the most part, are captured. This is the first time, basically since William the Conqueror in the 1060s, that nobles were killed as traitors. So... You wow. might think that the Middle Ages are pretty gruesome. And to be honest, like, this story doesn't make it sound like a great time. It doesn't really uh, change that opinion a whole lot. But generally, you didn't kill nobles. Right. You might... To, honestly, if they do something wrong, it's better to take land away from them or to have mm. them pay fines. Yeah. You don't kill them. No, I mean, it's a less effective way of, um, you know getting them back. It's like, you don't spank your kids, you take away their Game Boy. Yeah. So this is the first time since the conquest that nobles are killed as traitors. And Isabella is really mad about this. It's kind of, she's sort of on the fence, but like, she's mad at everyone. She's just equally, she's like a mom. She's just <laughs> mad at all parties. She's had a tough time. So she's mad because um, the nobles aren't supporting the king when obviously he is their sovereign and it's all about his kind of noble blood and his mm. Um, his kind of regal status, so they should be supporting him. She's mad at them. She's also mad at the king because you're not meant to give the death penalty to the nobles. It was something that was so incredibly uncommon. And also, one of the nobles who was executed, Lancaster, um, that was her uncle. And so she was a Uh, bit less keen for him to be executed. Yeah. That's also the one that she had earlier tried to create, like, an alliance between Lancaster and Edward. Oh, that makes sense. So she was... I feel like it's, it's like, all these, um... It's basically family drama. It really is. It's, like, all these episodes of this old period drama are culminating, and this is the season finale. Oh, there's going to be another season. That's good stuff. Oh, my God, I'm excited for season three. So... Here's going to be the big season two death, because, like, Gustavo was number one, so... (laughs) Um, So, Dispenser, then, back in the country, is able to use this as as basically an excuse to gain power. Okay. So, 
he and Edward at this point begin acting very tyrannically. So they've just killed a whole bunch of people. Yes. A bunch of nobles. And then they're able to act tyrannically by taking land from them. And Dispenser becomes very, very wealthy at this point. Good for him. Get that money. Robert the Bruce, so the Scottish, then decide to invade. And Edward once again ditches Isabella. Oh my god. Runs off with Dispenser. <laughs> He's not a very good boyfriend, is he? At this point, Isabella is pissed. Bitch, what? Again, really? Yeah. Because she knew that she was the last obstacle to Dispenser having full control over the king. Yeah. And so she needed to create an escape plan. Well, I guess season three is going to be like prison break then, huh? Sort of. She going to tattoo the escape plan on her back or something? <laughs> um, so, just uh, so kind of talking more about that tyranny that I mentioned earlier, Dispenser used his power over the king to keep gaining land, so mm. he is becoming richer than the richest of the nobles. And since he's also not of a very high birth either, this is very controversial. He um, wanted to destroy the last person to really have power over the king, mm. and that's Isabella. So she, she didn't do nothing wrong. She still has his ear, though, and he's oh, in the... I, so it's kind of like... I guess he'd be a little bit miffed about that. <laughs> so it's... I don't want to paint them as being, like, all good or all bad. Obviously, they're all humans and they're flawed. Yeah. But if you want to kind of paint this very, very simplistically, it's sort of like you've got the king, and then on one shoulder, there's Angel Isabella trying yeah. to just lead him the right direction and make him a wise king. Mm. And then you have the devil on his other shoulder, um, Dispenser telling him, give me more, give me land, give me money. Give me You know, penis. you can... Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you are the king. You can do what you want. You can do whatever you want. And so... This is kind of a questionable time, and Dispenser really sees that Isabella is the last big threat, and she's the only one that could kind of sway the king against him. That makes sense, yes. So he couldn't attack her, but he can have, um, he can kind of try to attack her wealth. Mm. So he actually paid her rents oh. for some of the, the land that he had, because it was her land. So he stops paying her rents that he owes her. Um, her father in France then dies, and the new king is her eldest brother, and he wasn't very keen to kind of get involved with all these fights, because her father had been a bit more willing to be like, Edward, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, her brother wasn't, at this point, really in the mood to be getting involved. He's a new king. Um, so she doesn't really have him to back her up, and because of this... Um, the English nobles are quite wary based on the fact that so many of them had just been executed. So this is just a bad situation for Isabella to be in because she's kind of lost all the people who were supporting her. Aww. In the last episode with Jamie, I discussed how it works with um, the King of France. Obviously, like I said earlier, he has all of these dukedoms in his kingdom where they kind of they're mostly autonomous. They kind of rule themselves. Um, and so the people who are in power there, the dukes, are quite powerful. But technically, they owe him fealty, so they have to swear themselves to the king. Now, as I mentioned in the Jamie episode, um, England actually owned quite a lot of territory in France. By this point, they had definitely lost some of it. Um, they'd lost Normandy. They um, had lost some of the other land they had. But Edward still has to pay homage 
to the king of France for the land he has there, which is seen as kind of being, um, it's a bit humiliating for a king of England to have to go to France and swear his fealty to the French king, but only for the land he has there. Um, no one really wants to have to get on their knee in front of another king. And unless, unless, know. unless it's for unless that reason. Um, but if it's not for sexy time, it's seen <laughs> as really, really just kind of sad for your king yeah. to have to kneel to another king. Mm. So, Ed, so it, it was always a point of contention. English kings never wanted to pay homage to the French kings. Um, but unfortunately, he still has the debt. Well, unfortunately slash fortunately, he still has the Duchy of Gascony. So that's great for England, but he hates that he has to pay homage for it. So, um, this is going to be something that's going to be a point of contention later, because that uh, is going to come up, unfortunately. Oh, shit. So, there's also some, anti, um, there's also some anti-Frenchness going on at this point. So, Dispenser is kind of using this to attack Isabella from that direction, because obviously she is French, so he can use that to get the people to sort of turn on her. Hmm. Um, all of her children at this point, except for her eldest son, were taken away from her and put under Dispenser's control. Wow. It's all of like her the kids. opposite of the modern court system. It's horrible. Ugh. Oh, he would have turned them all against her. Yeah. Um, he and probably wasn't a very good dad either. I don't think he was even trying to be a dad. He no. was probably like, somebody teach those kids something. I don't know. Look, Got more important things to do. One plus one is two. Plus one is three quick maths. <laughs> Every day man's on the block. Smoke trees. I don't even know what some of that meant. It's it's a rap song. Oh, okay. It's not even a rap song. Um, And also, Dispenser had her land seized. So she has no lands. Wow. And obviously having land was really important because that was where your income came from. And also, so she's, I want land. Yeah. It so makes me feel good about my nobility. Yeah. So she's got no real income, no money. Her children have been taken away from her except for her oldest son. Wow, well, um, you don't even want the oldest kid. Like, you want the cute young one. Well, that was such a mistake on his part. Yeah. You're about to see why that's oh, well. really? It's about to get messy. She had a teammate, um, I guess. A partner so, in crime. So, um... And she's lost all of the support of um, her family at home and mm. the nobles here in England. So she's just in... She's kind of like... This is her rock bottom. This is her third act struggle. But this is where she's going to rise. See, this is where the climax happens. Yeah, so she's about to come back with a vengeance. I'm ready. Like everyone in this story. I know, right? No one fucking stays gone. So, um, Isabella is eventually sent to go to France. Um, once again... They are mad at each other. And so, as usual, she's sent to kind of negotiate and try to make peace. And Edward refused to go because Gaveston had... Gaveston. Fuck my life. That's not what I meant. Edward refused <laughs> to back. go. He's back. He's <laughs> back. I'm, right. I'm so excited. Um, so, she was sent to make I peace. I knew he'd be resurrected. They always are. Um, so, Edward refused to go because the French king had said that Dispenser was not allowed to step foot on French soil. And he okay. refused, and so Edward refused to go because he knew that if he left, um, they would kill Dispenser. Like they yeah. killed Gaveston. They did not feel... That's rough. You don't want don't to have another boyfriend murdered because he was such a dick. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that says something about your type, Edward. <laughs> yeah, his type was... Basic, he was a bottom, is basically what I'm trying to say I mean, to say he here. absolutely was. He, yeah. was. he was being ruled by the men oh, in yeah. his life. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, honey, 
you ain't the first and you won't be the last. He came into this water bottom and he will leave this water he bottom. He will leave this water bottom. That's actually, that's pretty prophetic, but I will get into <laughs> that later. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, but so, um, so she goes to France to make this piece, and then after that, she just kind of hangs around in France because fuck Dispenser. She does not want to be around him. Yeah, she, I don't think they're super fond of each other right this moment. She has just gotten to this point where she doesn't have the will to try to deal with these assholes. Like, she's try- she's tried so hard to make it work with her husband. She's been very loving. Um, she supports him in all of his endeavors with his men. Oh, yeah, she's been very supportive, all right? <laughs> and all she really wants is her land. Yeah. Her children. Yes. Both reasonable things. Those are the things that she's owed. Fair enough, yeah. And like an ounce of respect. So that's where that's where she she doesn't really get that. Well, she doesn't get the other things either because they've been taken. Well, yes, but she had them for a while. Yeah, for some time. Quite. And then they're taken from her. Um. So she decides to hang around in France basically long after this piece has basically been given to her. Yeah. She does this first to attend to her brother's wedding, and then she makes like a progress around France. But basically, she's just trying to um, draw this out as long as possible. Fair enough. Um, and that's actually where I think I'm going to leave the story for today. Well, you can't end it on a cliffhanger. This is the least cliffhanger any, uh, ending... This is the least cliffhanger ending ever. I am... If this is only half of the story, then I am very excited to see where the The second half, half is dark. <gasps> okay, I'm very excited then. This is actually... That was like the light half of the story. Like, this was... I did think there wasn't enough death. This was the sugar and spice part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's going to get so Can much we get worse. get some more torture in the next episode? There's going to be a, a lot of badness in the next Ooh, episode. Oh, boy. Um, but, so, overall, we have... We're kind of ending the story with Edward in England... Um, Isabella is in France trying to avoid Dispenser, who has taken her land, taken her children, um, and she at this point is like rock bottom, but that is where, you know, from the ashes she's going to rise, and she is going to come back with a vengeance, because as I've said, uh, she is literally known as Isabella the She-Wolf. I cannot wait to learn how she gets that name. You've got to imagine that she's about to... To make that name for herself. This is part one of the final Hunger Games movie. Yes, Part exactly. two is coming. Yes. So we will um, wrap it up there. And CJ will be back in the next episode for us to finish this delightful tale. But in the meantime, let me just tell you how you can find the show online and engage. So you can find me on Twitter. That is at HappyHistoryPod. You can find me on Instagram at Happy Hour History Pod. Sorry, they're different. I say that every episode, but I still feel bad about it. <laughs> um, Facebook is just Happy Hour History, and my email is happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. So, any of those ways you can engage with me, you can ask questions or um, let me know about different topics you'd like to hear about. I'm always interested to know what other people would like to learn. You can also uh, let me know if CJ is the funniest host we've had so far. I mean, I obviously am. Obviously. I'm definitely the gayest host you've had so far. I don't know. Do you want to promote yourself at all, CJ? Um, I don't really know what to promote. Follow me on Instagram at Callistusj, C-A-L-I-S-T-U-S-J-A-Y. 
and uh, add me on Twitter with the same handle. But don't judge how much of a nerd I am. Thank you. Perfect. Oh, who do you think? Who do you think's the victim so far? Well, so far, I definitely think that victim in this situation is obviously our little baby Isabella, our little Izzy, little Izzy. But uh, on that note, I do also think that a lot of it is self-inflicted. Like, hun, you should have better taste in your betrothed husbands. Uh, she did not choose him. She didn't choose him, but you know what? She could have. She could have convinced him to be a little bit less of a dick. Um, and also, I think that you know her power dynamic is definitely going to shift from what I can hear. So it's very crazy. I'm excited. So I think she's definitely the victim in, in this so far. But I have to say, the most saddest outcome is the death of Lemsip. I really think he. Can, <laughs> You know, such a stronger player in this game if he just he survived just died a little too, longer. He died too soon. You know, I think it's a shame that his uh, his actor had another offer on a sitcom <laughs> on NBC because otherwise, I think he really would have been a really great character. But hey. rest in peace, Piers Gaveston, gone too soon. Rest in peace, antibiotic. <laughs> Alrighty, so we will see you guys um, for the next episode, and thanks for tuning in.